Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of the show. Today's guest is a wonderful friend of mine that I met three, four years ago named Simon Mitchell. When I first met Simon, he was running like a digital agency, coaching network marketers and social sales and things like that. And we met in originally, we'll talk about the whole story, basically from Italy to San Diego to Balloween, this big event that we hosted at his villa in Bali at one point, which is a whole story. We don't actually get into that story. That's probably good. Because that's, I think, like, yeah, we probably don't need to talk about that. But basically, Simon has gone through this massive transformation in his life. And today's episode, we dig into that transformation. We talk a lot about unearthing a lot of avoidance mechanisms that can be done in seemingly externally positive ways where you're like, oh, that person's doing a lot of stuff, but it still could be a form of avoidance. And we talk about like how to take that shovel and kind of dig up the avoidance. And sometimes you put some back on, sometimes you take it out. We talk a lot about his life experiences of building different businesses and how those fulfilled different areas of his life and how he's come to the point now where he's building this incredibly huge, huge company already, which is kind of amazing. But we talk about a lot of the success stories and a lot of the failure stories of building that company and a lot of the fun tools, strategies that he's used to do that. And one of the most important things I think we talk about is how he discovered his like purpose or what he really feels most fulfilled doing in his life. And we, we also talk about for you, like some ways you could look at your own life to discover that for yourself. So I hope you love today's episode and enjoy Simon Mitchell. Simon and I have been talking quite a bit before this interview started. And to give you guys just a little bit of context, Simon and I originally met in Estonia, no, Sardinia. We met in Sardinia randomly in the airport when I was on the way to A-Fest Sardinia, which is a, a huge event, like a party event for four days by Mind Valley, where you do learn some stuff, but mostly it's hanging out with cool people. And I'm sure we could tell stories about that, but we're going to get into a lot of good stuff today. And I met Simon at the airport randomly with some other people. And there's actually a whole nother drama story kind of interwoven into that same airport visit where I met Simon, where I maybe wasn't in the complete normal energy for myself. I can't believe I've never actually told you that. But Simon and I go way back. And after Sardinia, we saw each other in Estonia a few times, like working out in the gym. And we were like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's you, that, that person that I had known and met, right? But then it was crazy because after Estonia, I went to San Diego for like two or three months. And one day I was walking around downtown San Diego. I, I do these huge walks in the morning, like one, two, three hours. I call them pilgrimages. And I get coffee and I just think, right? Usually it's not even headphones. And as I'm walking one day in San Diego, downtown San Diego, there's like no one out at 7 a.m., 8 a.m. And I look down the street and I swear to you, I recognize the person that's walking towards me. And they're also just walking, like no headphones, nothing's going on, and it's Simon. And we bump into each other and we're like, what are you doing here? And we, it's just like a small exchange, I think we walk for like five minutes and then we leave. And then the next morning I'm out walking and I run into Simon again in downtown San Diego on a completely different street. And then I think after that, we probably walked together for like two hours every morning for, for like months. two and a half months solid. And then ever yeah. since, yeah every day and sometimes more than just the morning sometimes it was like morning and then some work and then some more walking and then some more work and then some more walking but we go back quite far and since then that was probably 2018 i think is when that happened it's 2021 now yeah, so oh 2019. 2019 
Yeah, I don't know. I think it was yeah. 2018. I That's forever old. ago. That's forever ago. Yeah. So three years ago, and since then, Simon and I have both done a bunch of crazy stuff, but I have been following him, watching his journey. He moved to Tbilisi, Georgia to start a company, which is something he's always kind of been on the fringes of, of starting something really big, and it finally culminated in like a perfect tax haven like Georgia. And then ever since, it seems like his life yeah. has just been an incredible journey. So today I want to get into some of these amazing tips and wisdoms that Simon used to spout to me back in 2018 that I'm sure have just tremendously grown since. And the first question I want to get into with Simon, because we were talking before we got on the phone or before we got on this call here. And Simon, why do you think anyone, or maybe just you to start and then we can get into the big picture. Why do you do business? Like, why do you do anything with business? Yeah, I, I think, um, and we have been talking about this, uh, and it's so funny you talk about moving to Tbilisi because it was like two years ago uh, the other day. Uh, and that's a whole story we should talk about in itself. But I, I think for me, this addictive drive, this addictive desire, hunger, pursuit, whatever you want to call it. And, and for me, I don't really think it's a choice anymore, if I'm honest. Like, I think... Um, you kept out part of that story where you came and stayed with me in Bali and, you know, I don't know how long you were in Bali for, maybe three months, maybe longer. I don't know. You're a while. Um, but I think the, the life that I had when I, you know, used to live in Bali, even when I was in San Diego, very wildly different to my life now. And it's really where does that energy that we all have, that we all use. And at the time it was, you know, putting it towards travel or variety or partying or, you know, really dumb, stupid stuff rather than putting it towards business. But I, I think the energy is exactly the same. I, I think that the intensity, the focus, you know, you've known me long enough, the intensity has always been the same. It was just, where is that energy going? and Where is that directed? So I think for me, business is a far healthier output, a far healthier pursuit, a far healthier drive, and, you know, provides far more challenge, actually, you know, I, I think it's actually quite fundamentally easy to to be really good at partying or really good at avoiding life or really good at jumping on and off planes and really good at, you know, having lots of fun or being totally disconnected, if I'm honest. I think that's really easy. I think business is that still the same level of uh, pursuit from a you know really core need, really core fundamental human need for me of, you know, where where am I putting my energy? Where am I putting my focus? But how do I do something that's serving that higher vision of myself, serving that how do I be better version of me? I think business is probably the only thing that I found that allows me to live healthy, live in a, and maybe that's subjective, but um, I'm sure that some of the team actually would be like, it's not healthy in any way possible at all. But I, I think it's healthier than the other stuff I was doing, right? Like I think it was healthier than you know, every time I had a problem in life, just move countries. Or every time I had a, a problem, you know, just go and pick up 12 cocktails. Or every time I had a problem, just avoid problems. I think business just comes with so many problems that you can't avoid it. So for me, it's like, I get that need from a variety perspective. I get that need from a challenge perspective, but it's building towards something rather than just, I, I guess, staying the same. So you you dropped like so many things there, but let me ask you, what were, as an example for people listening, like what were some of those things that had happened where or actually what was the first time something happened where you were like, you know, to solve this, I'm just going to change my life completely and like move countries. What it, walk me through that. Scenario. Yeah, I think I've done it so many times. Like, you know, I, I've lived in, I think, nine or 10 different countries now. At the age of 21, I moved to move to the US because I didn't like, you know, the whole go to school, go to college, get a job 
working a normal job like I had a job in the town like just a normal job in the town that I grown up in that I went to school in you know I was living at home I'd graduated and I was like this is my life and a story that I never tell and I don't even know you know this like I applied to join the army got accepted in to, to become an officer in the army because I was like I just need something more out of life like and I think that's probably been my quest for life is how do I find those edges and I'd been conditioned through society just to to live that normal life and uh, yeah, 21, I moved to America, I became a, a summer camp director, you know, nothing to do with business, like literally, you know, working for a not for profit, earning $14,000 a year, like broke as, you know, broke as shit, like totally unbelievably broke. But this desire to find something new, and that pattern just kept repeating, you know, when I left the corporate world, you know, when I started my own business, when I, you know, moved to Australia because of life problems or relationship problems. I think every time there was a problem in my life and I didn't like something, I just had this comfort. And I guess it goes back to my family. You know, my mom was born in Kuala Lumpur. My grandma was born in Shanghai. I'd grown up hearing just international travel my whole life. But every time I had any kind of problem, for me, I just found it easier to like pack a suitcase and just move generally to the other side of the world. So I've just kind of oscillated between continents and just kept moving rather than going you know hey what's going on inside of me or what's you know internally happening that's causing this uh, you know i guess in my 20s it was just easier to just keep moving and just going well actually it's the country or it's the environment or it's the people or it's the job i, I think yeah for so long it was just uh, the the case of let's just pick myself up and move i, I don't I, I guess know at a young age where that came from but i think the permission to do that was just rooted in the, the the family, the environment that I grew up in of people just being like, you know, just go try stuff, go screw up, go make mistakes, go move to different countries, have different experiences. Yeah, I, I think they've been the coolest things in the world. You know, I, I wouldn't change any of them, that's for sure. So then if that, you mentioned something there where you're like, what's going yeah. on with me? Like what's, what what is going on with you? What was going on with you and what, drove you to finally you've been in Tbilisi for two years which I think is the longest you've yeah, been anywhere like solidly right? as well you know so, I, I think the pandemic helped with that you know I, I think you know not being able to get on course. a plane for 16 months you know the longest time for eight years where I couldn't get on a plane but I think for so long to, to touch on the question I think for so long the the life pattern was just a phenomenal skill of avoidance like straight up just a phenomenal wrapped up in personal development ego and let's call it that right like know the talk know the words know the phrases know the events to go to know the bullshit to spout like but really like deep rooted like just how can i avoid like even i remember like getting off the plane when i first met you you're super extroverted certainly you know the the version of you now right you know out in the world speaking to everybody i remember at that phase in my life money in the bank not where i wanted to be health wise but not sure of what my next journey was, you know, not sure of where I was going, you know, 30 years old, had it, by all accounts, you know, everything I'd wanted, reached the mountaintop, you know, had my dream villa in Bali, lived by myself in a four bedroom villa, which was, you know, kind of crazy looking back. But I remember getting off that plane and you were just like straight in, you know, people's faces. And I'm just like, what the, f you know, who is this guy? You know, and you're, you're, you're so loving and you're so kind. And I'm just like, what? And I remember being so uncomfortable because I'd gone to this event, you know, 400 odd crazy, successful, fun, playful, energetic people. And at the time I remember getting off that plane being like, I'm not gonna drink for this experience. But at the time, you know, alcohol was this incredible avoidance for me. My first night there, I remember 
you know, just being so uncomfortable and awkward because, you know, everyone was having fun and dancing and connecting. And I was just like, this is just, you know, I'm so out of the loop. And so, you know, I ended up drinking for the the rest of the trip and had loads of fun. And same in Estonia. I didn't go to anything. I was there for a month. And I think I went to like two talks out of, you know, like a hundred or something um, because there was this, just this underlying rooted how do I avoid all the crap going on inside of me by just being busy, move to another country, there's always another party, you know, there's always someone to criticize, there's always another personal development event to go to, you know, PD's great for that, right? You know, I, I know you've seen that tons of times, like, you know, it, it's a great way to actually avoid doing the work, you just keep going to more stuff, you know, you keep signing up for more things, keep attending more things, yeah, to eventually get into a point where it's like, you know, maybe this pattern isn't working, maybe this isn't what I was looking for. Tbilisi was not the plan by any means, actually. I, I, although, you know, I'll tell you the story. I remember being in Bali, my 31st birthday, maybe 32nd. Um, how old am I? 34. Yeah, so 32nd birthday. I'm at a bar that I love. I've got, you know, friends around me, really great friends. I'm, you know, countless cocktails deep. I'm stood on tables dancing. If anyone's ever been to Modo Mexico or in Bali, you know exactly what I mean. Like it's it's wild, you know, things are going crazy, things are going off, it's my birthday, surrounded by friends, and there's this very cold chill that just comes across me. And it is like this light switch of this is not who you are anymore. This is who you've been. And that was my identity, and so much of my identity was rooted in that person. But I vividly remember, like I got off the table and I said to everyone, I was like, I'm leaving, peace. And everyone was like, Is everything wrong? I was like, Yeah, I'm good, I've just got to go. And I left Bali two weeks later, you know, I literally packed up my life, left Bali, went to Georgia to get tax residency. And, you know, two years later, I ended up staying and building a company and, you know, pivoting 400 times. But the, the reality was there was just this very comfortable knowing of, you know, you're full of crap, cut the crap. And this isn't who you're meant to be. This isn't the life you really want. Go find some purpose. Yeah. So you talked about this thing internally where you had like this deep like i'm avoiding i'm avoiding i'm meant for more yeah. type of thing when you say like there's always can you hear yeah, those police it. sirens i'm yeah. in new york city this They're is like totally a normal, normal thing you mentioned this thing where you're like it's a really good strategy to avoid doing mm -hmm. the work right so let me ask you based on what you've learned in life thus far a, what is the work? And then B, what are we all working towards? Or is there, is there a towards or like what? I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm really curious what your thoughts are on this whole idea of like, if we're avoiding, what are we avoiding? And what are we, what are we really trying to, what should we be trying to go yeah, after? I, I think the biggest thing that we're all avoiding, certainly wasn't my case, and, and actually loads of people that I've had this conversation with since, is, is actually two-sided. Fundamentally at a core level, being so raw and so real and authentic and like, this is who I am. Like that level of, and I don't mean, you know, uh, and no disrespect to anyone who's done this, I've done loads of this myself. That's not, you know, yoga retreats, that's not meditation circles, that's not, you know, full moon parties, like I've done all of those things, but it's like real truth acceptance on a, on a core level of self. This is who I am, this is what I want, this is what I desire, this is what I live for, this is what I like, this is what I don't like, this is who I like, this is what I don't, and just really fully working towards awareness of self, 
So that's that, that's the other side of that. The second side of that is then going, well, how do I live my purpose on that? You know, how do I be in this state of self, not wrapped up, by the way, like I said, in, you know, woo-woo or fluff or knowing all the talk. And, you know, I grew, I've grown up in that environment. I get it. But like really understanding for me, like for me, it was like, I love working. Like I love cool conversations. I love work, working. I love walking. You know, the partying was cool, but actually like grinding seven days a week, like grinding to me is the happiest state that I'm ever in. Like living my purpose, working. I'm a fundamentally happier human working with the team than I am, you know, sitting in a bar, scrolling on Instagram, worrying about the next photo that I'm gonna put up. Like I'm just a far happier person, not five out of seven, not six out of seven, like seven days a week, 365 days, I'm just happier working. And it's that awareness to go, okay, that's who I am. Then the second side of that is, well, actually stop apologizing for being that person, whether that's in relationships, you know, issues I've had in the past where I was trying to wear a mask or trying to fit into someone else's values or trying to fit into like, well, I'm this guy, but I can also be this guy. And it's just having that real unapologetic conversation with self to then go, well, this is how I live. I'm not going to apologize for it. You know, I'm not in a selfish, rude way, but like, this is who I am. I'm not going to fundamentally change that because I love that. Then this is how I'm going to go live my life. And, and if people want to come on that journey, great. And if they don't, cool. So I guess that's the, the part A question. The part B, what are we all working towards? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, honestly, I, 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 I don't know if I have the answer for, I, I think I've got the fluff answer, which is like, you know, fulfillment and happiness and joy and connection and, experience and love and and all these incredible things and they're all incredible like don't like really incredible things like fulfillment cool purpose cool they have you have to have those to drive you to get out of bed every morning to to want to go do the things but do i think it's like to get there no like i i think i've given up on this idea of like one day ever being you know gary vaynerchuk talks about it with owning the new york jets just because you're in new york and he says like the day that he buys the New York Jets will be one of the unhappiest days of his life because he's got it, like it was his goal. And, and you know, we've talked about before, like I have a goal to buy an island. I know the day that I've got the island, I'm screwed because what am I doing the next day? Like what's the thing after that? So I guess I'm not driven by that too much anymore. I'm just driven by, you know, how do I be a better man? How do I be a better leader for the team? How do I, you know, find more self-awareness or going back to that first part of the question? Um, I, I think I'm incredibly selfish in that, if I'm real. Like, I think I'm so wrapped up in, yeah, self-awareness of my journey and, you know, all the lessons that that brings rather than, you know, trying to think of where does humanity go? I, I think there's cleverer people that deal with that. So you mentioned uh, a couple things that I just want to pry into a little bit deeper. You said day one of a fest you showed up everyone's like celebrating right everyone's like talking and uh some people are drinking there's a lot of excitement and energy and you felt very like i don't really want to share yep. but i want to party right because you had all these like things inside so then so one question is has that changed since you've uh, is that something that's a part of who you are? Like you're saying, like you have to understand yeah. yourself and your strengths and your weaknesses and just own who you are. Is that a part of who you are? And then my second question is, and I hope we can get to both of these because they're they're both really interesting answers to me, I, I think. The second question is, how has your relationship with making other people a priority versus yourself 
in especially like these harder times yeah. or, or what what are your thoughts on that whole idea of like giving versus yeah. receiving you know, I, so first question is the yeah are you still that person that's a little yeah, shy massively. but i think there's just comfort in i think i walked into that environment psyching myself out like i think i walked into the environment going oh my god all these incredible people who the heck am i not drinking didn't have control over you know energy health you know my relationship to alcohol all that kind of stuff that i now do and I, I vividly remember like i can tell you where people like people that are now friends you know our mutual friends people like i can vividly tell you the whole experience of that first evening and it's actually just the awareness of big group party environments they're not my jam like i just don't enjoy them like they're just not my thing but put me at a dinner table with four people and I'm the happiest human on the planet. Like there doesn't need to be any alcohol in that environment. There just needs to be cool conversation. If it's not cool conversation, I'm out. But it's just that understanding of like, I think I can now comfortably walk into that environment, you know, even knowing nobody, know that I'm going there for, you know, 15 minutes, half an hour, like, hey, nice to meet you, nice to meet you, you're cool, you're cool, awesome, love you, brilliant. I'm not going there needing. And that's probably the biggest realization of, I think when I look back into the, the person that I was or the state that I was in, there was a lot of need for self-acceptance internally, but also need externally, right? Of people to be like, you're accepted, you're cool, you're successful, you're, you're valuable, you're loved, whatever you know, term you wanna phrase it. But there was this search for external validation and self-acceptance. You know, Whereas now there's just like, I'm good, man. I, I'm living the life that I wanna live. It doesn't make sense to 99.9% .9 of the world. It doesn't make sense to most people. I'm okay with that. I've stopped justifying it. I've stopped arguing on it. I'm just, you know, that's the life that I want to lead. And I think that kind of leads on to the second thing actually really nicely is I think this world of building a team, building a company has totally shifted my priorities twofold. One, I've got to look after me to look after other people. And I think that has been a huge growth journey for me because I think for so much of my life, it was how do I give and 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 give, and give? then eventually people will love me enough back. But I think now it's like, well, actually, no, base foundation, I got to be good. You know, I got to be healthy. I got to be well rested. I got to have my energy in a cool place. I got to be calm. I got to be focused. I got to be driven. But then secondly, that's actually then allowing that springboard to, you know, humans are going on their own journey and, you know, be, be so much more understanding and tolerant. I think building a, a team and building a business has just created this level of compassion that, you know, me two years ago, me 10 years ago, for sure, you know, even two years ago, just had zero, you know, just driven by ego, but like zero compassion for the shit people are going through. Now to be in a place of like every single day watching people from a young age, you know, the team that, that works at the office with me, just people being on this journey with me of like, people are gonna screw up, people are gonna have some life challenges, people are gonna intend to do the best things, but still not have the resources. And also people haven't gone on their own journey yet. So maybe they don't have the resources internally or emotionally or spiritually to, to get themselves out of some crap. You know, I, I think some of the stuff that, you know, I was talking actually to one of the team yesterday, the stuff that used to trigger me a year ago when I first started building the company, you know, to just today I look back and I'm like, wow, you're a douchebag like self, you know, just like so judgy of, you know, the crap people have to go through in life and, like, why aren't they understanding or why don't they appreciate or why don't they get it or why don't they work hard or why don't they work seven days a week like I do to now being in a place of like, actually, you know, humans fundamentally are going to do the best they can. Full stop. You know, they're going to do what they can. My role is now to create the environment, to nurture, to support them, to, to 
you know, take care of them, you know, whether that's financially, give them a cool office to work in, give them certainty, challenge them, push them, coach them, you know, certainly a space that I love, but it's to come from that space of no one's got it figured out. Like nobody's got it, you know, no one's got the answers, certainly not me. And and I think that's probably the coolest journey is, you know, I, I think me two years ago being in that place of like, I need all this self acceptance so run by ego to now being in a place of like well, actually i don't need any self-acceptance like uh, sorry any external validation i've got tons of self-acceptance however you know just that compassion you know of you know yeah people haven't got it people haven't got it figured out and actually you know how can they because you know they've all had some shit happen they've all gone through some challenges they've all had different life experiences people are doing the best they can yeah so that brings me to one point that I want to make about how I became your friend and then there's a lot of points around that but one major one and then one question so the point is I was one of those people jumping around at A-Fest on day one you know like celebrating with everyone and I didn't know a lot of those people and the understanding that I had at that time and, and have had for a long time is that most people crave that acceptance and feel let's just call it alone in life like no one quite understands them and i've realized that that's everyone or just about everyone at some level therefore i was very and still am to this day very comfortable walking up to literally anyone on the planet and chatting with them like they're my best friend because i know that they feel awkward and they feel less secure in themselves than they could therefore if you just initiate friendly conversation like most people are just super open to it and the more wacky you get like i was at a party with eric strauss in austin recently and he it was like a hundred people there at a birthday party and he was talking to some lady out by the dance floor and it's like 8 p.m there's like no one dancing at this dance floor it's like the first thing since COVID happened like people are just not into like celebrating at this point and I'm sitting there on the dance floor by myself going crazy, <laughs> right? Totally by I myself, visual, I like it, my yeah. eyes are closed and I'm and I'm just dancing, right? Because I'm just so excited to like be at a dance yeah. floor in so long. And it was just, it was awesome. It was Austin. I mean, a lot of reasons to celebrate life at that point, but so I'm dancing by myself and this lady who's talking to Eric points at me on the dance floor. She doesn't know that we know each other and she goes, I love Texas. You know why? Because people don't give a shit. See that guy over there? He doesn't give a shit. I love it. Yeah. So it's kind of this whole idea that you're talking about where when you understand that that feeling that you had, most people have, it makes it very easy to talk to anybody. So then the question I have... I I want to tell two sides of that story. Well, another two sides of that story. Firstly, Eric Strauss on the first night of AFES was the person I was like, I'm going to go talk to him because he had done like a pre-workshop that day and talked all about business. So I was like, there's my safety net. And I like, I literally was just bugging him for half an hour. Like there's people dancing and I'm like, dude, you're my safety net right now. Cause I can just jam on business with you. And he told me to go read Rocket Fuel by Gino Whitman, great book, you know, but it was like, that's safe. Cause I can talk business. But then secondly, even how we became friends, I don't even know, I think you know this, but like we bumped into each other walking and I'm like, fuck, you know, man, like skips in town. Like, and you're like, come hang out, come hang out, come have dinner. And I'm like, nope, I'm busy. Nope, I'm sick. And, and kept like, you know, nope. Cause I don't like 
new, like certainly at that time, right? Like want massive acceptance externally, but scared shitless of what people are gonna think of me. And so eventually you were just like, come for dinner. Like there's no escape, come for dinner. Carl's there, Chris is there, Sammy's there. <laughs> like, you know, there's people and you know, even then, you know, four people, five people, that was kind of crazy. But you know, even then you were just in that space of like, dude, come for dinner, come hang out, come grab a coffee, come walk, come chat. Um, yeah, and I think that taught me so many lessons of, you know, you, uh, I'm sure you still do actually, but you know, walking up to random strangers have been like, you know, scale of one to 10, how's your day going? You know, just initiating that conversation with compassion. And I mean like servers and people at grocery stores and just taking that moment to, to humanize everybody and taking that moment to, yeah, just connect, you know, even if it's that, that three seconds of just like, you know, have that cool day. And I think that's, yeah, that's certainly stuck with me. I really think that that's like the most fulfilling part of my life, yeah. by the way. That one thing that you just said is the one, if I had, if I was going to get hit by a bus later today and I could teach anyone anything, it's connect with every single person that you encounter. And it, it'll just bring you so much joy to understand them even a little bit. Like even if it's like the barista and you're like, how's your day? And they're like, uh, like yesterday this happened. She was like, you know, or two days ago. And she goes, I'm kind of bloated. Like I ate a lot because I'm not going to have a lunch break. And I just feel like weird. And I'm like, well, you know, at least you're walking around making coffee all day. So that's cool. You know, you're not like sitting down. And she's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. And I was like, <laughs> it's amazing. And then she made me even even more amazing coffee and really took her time. It was beautiful. And, I, and now I see her all the time. And she, we like recognize yep. each other. And it's like one day you can do that. It's just a beautiful. I love that. So then my second my second part here the question i wanted to ask you about this is you say seven days a week 365 days a year like this is how you feel like simon yeah. this is like your most true essence and and then for me right it's like this encountering every single person and making them feel loved and welcomed like instantly as, as fast as i can right these are things how did you if we trace it back, like we, we had this conversation around like trauma before we got on this call, which we're going to yep. flip in this one and start talking about the opposite side of trauma can lead to bad things, but can also lead to really beautiful things. Um, but I don't know if we should call that trauma. We could call that like, I think, I think it's trauma. I don't know, like yeah. positive. Yeah, it, you could call it trauma or some other cool word that's that's like a positive side of that. And what do you think if you've ever traced it back? kind of in, were you born with a 365 day like that's what's going to make you happy or is that trained in you and how and what were the series of experiences and if other people are listening to this watching this and they want to trace back in their own life like what would be your wisdom or your guidance on how to discover this for yeah, themselves because there's like a i feel like it's a web right there's like so many things they might have to like kind of go through to discover it for uh, themselves yes i know you know i i think you know, massive amounts of awareness of gratitude and just massive advantages, you know, and privilege in, I grew up with a mum, you know, that just worked in like the 365 days come from her. You know, I remember watching, you know, at a young age on Christmas day, you know, she'd be working. She'd just constantly be wanting to build her business. So having this blueprint of, you know, my mom, single parent raising me, only child just working like no there's no question there was no doubt there was no like there was just work 
and so I think you know there's massive privilege in growing up in that environment combined with you know I never I've never known a world without personal development you know I, I remember sitting in a car at three years old Tony Robbins you know audio tapes you know like in the in the tape player in the car so growing up in this environment where you know very strong driven female uh, as a role model as a mom like just going out and like just getting everything she can and working tirelessly and having challenges and having setbacks and you just keeping going and you know that 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 work ethic really comes from her you know like that's not that's not mine like it really is just transplanted from her to as a teenager being so unbelievably not driven like the opposite of whatever driven like lazy you know overweight unmotivated you know disconnected unhappy like take every negative you know connotation and just you know kind of throw it at me and i'll kind of go yeah that was where i was at to then getting to a place of you know some success out of success you know partying lots travel lots to then getting to a space of you know who am i and what life do i want it always fundamentally to me comes down to that question of really singularly and I actually remember having this conversation with with Susie, my mom, when she she came to work for for my companies um, a few years ago. Now, you know, she came to work with us, and she was in a different company. She was in a different role. She wasn't happy. And I vividly remember saying this question to her. You know, it's not the question I ask all over the world. And it's fundamentally, what do you want your life to look like? And what everyone else gets screwed up on is what do you want to put on Instagram? What do you want to put on Facebook? What do you want to tell your friends? How do you want to flex? You know, how do you want to phone up your buddies? And like, how do you want to even tell your parents? You know, I've got some staff that, that used to work uh, in the company and they just wanted the title. I'll tell you the story for a second. Like they just wanted the title of manager. They didn't care what they were manager of. They just wanted the title of manager so they could go home to their parents and be like, I got promoted to manager. Like when I first moved to Tbilisi and started building the company, culturally, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, different culture, um, ex-Soviet Republic, you know, beautiful, most incredible country in the world. Stunning. But culturally, wildly different to, you know, the UK, Australia, US culture that I'd grown up in of just like work really tirelessly. And people were just like, you know, I was like, I'm going to do a management training program and, you know, staff had to apply for it. You know, I was so delusionally naive and loads of people applied for it and I wasn't prepared. We were super busy. And so I just made loads of people managers. Like it was one of the dumbest things I've ever done looking back. Like I was just like, you're all managers. You know, there you go. Because to me, it was just a title and titles mean nothing to me. And they were all like, I'm a manager. And then if I started to do trainings that they weren't involved in, they'd be like, well, I'm a manager, so why am I not involved? Or if I had a meeting that they weren't involved in, it'd be like, why am I not involved? And I got to this root core of just, you know, I had one member of staff specifically that just wanted to be a manager, didn't care. Didn't care what department, didn't care what role, didn't care what task, just wanted to be a manager so he could go home to his parents and say, I'm a manager. And I think that, to me comes back to that, like, what really do you want out of life? If you want, like, I know at some point in my life, I wanna go sit, you know, in the middle of the woods somewhere with a cabin on a lake, you know, sit in a sauna, write books, and probably not talk to that many people, you know? I, I've also, you know, lived in cities. I also love being able to, you know, come and hang out in cities. You know, you're in New York, I, I love being able to hang out in the city. But there's different phases and different chapters in life. But for me, it's, what do you want out of life today? knowing, like I said about Bali, I was living a wildly different life two years ago, knowing that at any point you have full permission to change your mind. You have full permission to change everything, your identity, your company, how you make money, who you are, who you hang out with, you know, everything about yourself can change 
every week, like every month, like every year, like change it as often as you need to change it would be my wisdom. But today in this moment, like in your core, in your soul, what do you want out of life? And then what are the steps to get that? And as long as you follow that process, the rest of it's just noise. You know, like I, I've spent, you know, in like insane amounts of money on doing things in my life that I thought other people would think were cool. So I did them to show other people that I was cool or that I was worthy of love or that whatever, like just really expensive lessons. But now the awareness of like fundamentally, that's what I go back to is what do I want to do with my life? Knowing that in a week it may change, you know, in a year it may change, in 10 years it may change, but today what do I want to do? And that to me right now is to find what am I really capable of building in business? What, you know, as a leader, what am I really capable of? knowing that I may get to a phase in life, you know, where that is different and that's not what's driving me. So, you know, I, I think the work ethic comes from, from my mom, but I think the mistakes along the way have really given me that permission again with that self-acceptance to just go, today, this is who I want to be, knowing that I don't have to be that for the rest of my life. I don't have to be that forever. This is who I want to be today. So these are the steps to get there. Beautiful. So then man i've got just a load of questions that are i'm i'm loving this so uh, two questions again it's another two-parter the first question is let's say so i have this theory that you just kind of talked about which is whatever made the parent that you kind of craved love from the most or respected the most whatever made them happy is likely what's going to make you yeah. happy let's say that um it sounds like you were raised yep. by a single parent yeah, so let's say that that single parent, um, whatever made them happy, you don't want in your life, right? Like it wasn't a good example. Like it sounds like your mom was a, was a fantastic example of like all this like personal development since you were three, like you're subliminally yep. programmed with it. What would be your recommendations if, you, if there's things that you would like to shift about that core maybe driver that's been built yep. into you since you were a child? And then the second question is you, you talk about like, what do you want today and what are the steps to get there when you were in bali dancing on tables and suddenly you were like you know what i don't want this anymore where did you go from there to make the decision to what you did want to do and and then how do you separate like the acute pleasures that you're seeking from the the chronic success or whatever it is that you're seeking so for instance what if it's like uh i want to go kite sailing full-time, but that's not necessarily like a long-term, yeah. how do you do your goal setting or your visioning yeah. and, and all that? So those two things, sorry for putting so much yeah, no, on this plate cool. there. I think the, the, you know, the first part of how do you change that is one really, and you know, PD 101, right? You know, see see where that's rooted from, see who where it's coming from, see whose that is. For, for example, you know, I talked about, you know, weird that I'm talking about the story, but I talked about applying to join the army and you know, that was that was something that I did. I, I remember like leaving to move to the US and not going through that process and looking back and I was like, why did I do that? And my my great uncle was, you know, super high, high up in the um, Royal Air Force. My granddad had been in the in the army. And so I grew up hearing these military stories. And, you know, I don't know my dad. So my granddad was very much my male role model. Like, you know, I adored him, you know, incredible, incredible man, you know, super intelligent. 
But for him, the army was a very respectable career, very respectable job, very respectable career path. So for me, it was like, well, I wasn't happy in the normal career world. So I'm going to go do that because that would make him so happy. And that would make him, you know, I had something respectable to then realizing, actually, that's not who I am in my core. You know, I, I, I like to, well, not even slightly, I, I like to break out of molds of what society says is possible. I like to travel, I like a lot of variety. I don't really believe in convention. I don't really believe in, you know, rules. And that's a whole other thing. But he was incredibly rules driven, I'm incredibly opposite. Susie, my mom, you know, incredibly rules driven, I'm incredibly opposite, but she's kind of crazy in her own way. But it was that realization that actually these limiting beliefs or these negative thought patterns or these identities that aren't mine, well, if there's somebody else's, you can let them go. You know, if there's somebody else's, they don't have to be yours. You just got to be cool that there's somebody else's. And then it goes back to that self-acceptance. To me, that's everything, right? You know, it goes back to, I've said it so many times, but that, that awareness of self, the awareness of, well, actually, this is just what I do want. And there's no right or wrong, there's no good or bad, you know, removing, you know, the, the positive negative out of it just is what it is. This is who I am. This is what I do want. Okay, this is what I'm going to go get. The second part of your question, I think, you know, to me is probably more interesting, because I think this is what stops, you know, if we're talking about, you know, getting hit by a bus, you know, the world ends, you know, this is my last piece of wisdom. It's it's this, it's the how did I go from, you know, dancing on the tables? This is not what I want. Well, one, I took action, I got on a plane. But I remember when I first moved to Tbilisi, I spent the first month and a half walking around, like literally walking around, listening to podcasts, doing nothing, still avoiding life. So it wasn't instant. You know, then I got, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to start a company. I needed it for, for residency. Start a company. Then I got some staff. You know, we started out in this tiny little office. We lasted in there 21 days. You know, then we moved to our next office. We lasted there three months and we kept pivoting. And that's the key. That's the distinction, you know, that I would say to anybody is don't be so attached to what you think the outcome is. And I think COVID has probably taught this to, to a lot of people more so than, than ever in the history of time is I've been so unattached to my own identity in business that every time the company's pivoted, the company's changed or we tried something and it didn't work. I've not even stopped to go oh, that failed, or oh, that didn't work, or oh, my identity has to change. We've just gone, you know, from coaching business, you know, me coaching very much my brand to a digital agency, very much working for other companies' brands, you know, to launching a brand, launching a business, you know, global e-commerce brand. Everything's just been rooted in not even pausing to stop, but just going, there's an opportunity, let's run at it. Oh, that didn't work, take a step back, run in that direction. That didn't work, take a step back, run in that direction. But I think the only way the change happened, because in the micro, it's been painful as shit. It's taken it forever. You know, it sucked. I hated it all, but I loved it all. Like in the micro, it's been horrible and slow. In the macro, it's been the greatest challenge and the greatest thing and the happiest time of my life and fast. But in the micro, it's horrible because you're just constantly pivoting. And, you know, I've lost staff because of that. I've lost friends because of that. You know, I've, I've you know, lost my health for a while because of that. But in the macro, it's been the greatest thing in the world because I've grown so much and I found so much of that identity. But it always comes back to, you know, and I, I think you've done this so well, you know, and, and everything that, that you've taught me. It's just that, you know, you don't have to be attached to that identity of yesterday. You just get to go do whatever you want now. You just get to go build your company however you want. You just get to go be whoever you want. You know, for me, you know, my health journey, you know, for so long, my identity was being overweight 
My identity was being fat. My identity was, you know, all these self-labels, not other people's labels, self-labels. To then just getting to a point of like, do you know what, enough's enough. I've got to have health as a foundation, you know, real breaking point, painful point to get to. But getting to that place of like, just because that's what my identity was in business or in health or in spirituality or in relationships or in finances, doesn't have to stay that way. It's giving yourself that permission to pivot as many times as you need to, like as many times. And I think it, it goes back to, that would be my advice to somebody is, you know, how do you go from dancing on tables, totally disconnected to the person that you see, you know, kind of zooming out, literally real out of body experience, like, you know, zooming up into, you know, a thousand meters into the sky, looking down on, on me being like, what the heck are you doing? To where I am today, really living purposefully, you know, and that, that's probably the most important thing, really living, you know, my, my purpose. The difference is I've just not been afraid to, to pivot. You know, some people might see it as, you know, not be afraid to lose, but I'm just like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you fail, it doesn't matter if you lose. Just keep pivoting until you get it right. So I, I've seen you go through quite a few huge transformations. And I've also seen you attempt a lot of small yeah. transformations. Right now, you're on what, like day 62 or something of the 75 yeah, so part? That's, that's, that's kind of crazy story in itself. I got to day 60 and then got like deathly sick you know, like bedridden, couldn't move, but you know, I've carried on. So, you know, I kind of ended the six, the 75 days cause I missed the day, but you know, as soon as I'm done traveling, I'm back on it, but yeah, I'm super clean. You know, I think I'm day 80, no drinking, you know, which is super exciting, you know, in itself, but you know, yeah, just fitness. Like I'm in quarantine for six days and yeah, right behind my camera, there's, you know, a static bike so I can work out. There's a kettlebell on the floor over there. You know, like it's, it's just a different mindset where I'm at right now. So then let me ask you, because you, in my experience of you, are, are a master at pivoting yep. and change, right? You, you're always open to like trying the next thing to improve yourself or people around you or whatever, right? That's pretty clear through this whole interview. What's, what's your wisdom on when you're ready to make the big change? what are the tools or the strategies that you use to ensure that, that you're successful? Because sometimes I've seen you, like you'll do it, a little bit to kind of like dip your toes in the water and then at some point you're like okay i'm yeah. really in on this because like this 75 day hard thing for you like i've seen the photos <laughs> through the time and it's yeah. like dramatically yeah. different so what's the what's your secret there to yeah i i think yeah i i know the answer to what's my secret i i think context is what always changes big like what leads to big fundamental change for me I really truly believe this, people have to have catastrophic experiences. And I don't mean they have to be globally catastrophic, they can be micro in self catastrophic, but they have to be catastrophic. Death of identity, death of ego, death of self, you know, perception. And so that was definitely a trigger at the start of this journey, you know, really big death of ego, really big death of an identity that had to change. But I, I every time I've tried to like do things like half-assed or like dip my toe in, as you say, like, it's because it was like, this sounds like a good idea or this logically makes sense, but I wasn't doing it for a reason. I was just doing it for like, eh, this would be kind of cool or, you know, this would be great. Or, you know, I remember I, I, was, uh, I was vegetarian for 10 years and I, I did that because fundamentally I was gonna die. I was living in the US in, in Iowa, you know, drinking beer, eating pizza and eating, you know, lots of processed meat. And I was like, I'm gonna die if I don't do this. So that was like pretty catastrophic, like, you know, go vegetarian stopping drinking for me was like, I'm really watching myself limit myself 
as a leader, as a company, the culture we're creating, how I'm showing up and, and seeing what that was leading to and seeing the future of where that would go to was like, nah, you know, really that, that um, I guess, Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future moment of just like, wow. But I think the biggest thing to answer the question of, you know, my advice, and this is the opposite of what every single book and every self-help, you know, person will tell you, is my advice is just change everything. My advice, and, and you know this about me, like I just don't believe in small measures because it doesn't work for me. Like for some people, they're like, they, they would say, you know, just do one extra workout a week or, you know, run extra five minutes or, you know, do something a little bit extra, incrementally improve it. And I'm just like, it just doesn't work for me. Like if I'm gonna get obsessed, then I can create change. But if I'm gonna try and do something, like, I know it's kind of the same when I was partying is the truth. Like if I'm gonna party, I was gonna party. Like there was no like, oh, I'm gonna like have one beer. It's like, no, I'm gonna, you know, drink the whole place dry. Um, you know, there was no like, I'm gonna go traveling. It was like, I'm gonna go around the world and, you know, not stop until I can go to this many countries. And, and it's kind of like the same with, with fitness for me is, you know, when I, I was like, I'm gonna do this, I had the leverage to do it. You know, there was that catastrophic internal pain so it was like, okay, well, I'm doing it. It might as well do everything. I think there's a lot of people that be like, well, you know, eat healthy, cool, I did that. You know, stop drinking, cool, I did that. Go to the gym, cool, I did that. You know, two workouts a day. You know, lift weights, cool, did that. Lose weight, did that. Drink a load of water, read books, sleep, which, you know, had never really been on, on part of my plan, but like really sleep, like, you know, seven, eight hours a night, which for me was crazy at the time. I did all those things just in one go. Because to me, it's just, if you're gonna do it, you might as well, you know, do it. But also every time I've tried incrementally, I end up in here rather than, well, my ego's gotta die, my identity's gotta die. I get to know that I can pivot and change. So why not just pivot and change on the whole thing? So, so let me ask you a question here because definitely different personality types, but to be fair, I, from the years I've known you, I've never seen you do this thing that a lot of humans do, including myself, where there's like a downward spiral, right? I've never seen you truly like spiral like other people have. And so tell me a little bit more detail about this time when you moved to Georgia and you said there was a month yeah. and a half where all you knew is that your life needed to change. It was the reliving of this pattern that you talked about where you're like just moving and changing everything and just on to the next like fluff of yeah. avoidance, right? But for some reason, um, I, w I would say that maybe your like avoidance measures were healthy even by avoidance measures, right? Because at least you had this like momentum. So what did you do in this month and a half? Like what was that actually like walking around Tbilisi in Georgia? You said you were listening to podcasts. So again, like if, if this is Simon Mitchell's like low, yeah. <laughs> walking around a city, exploring places and listening to podcasts, I'm really curious. Oh, there, there was a lot of other crap though, well, right? Like there was, you know, Georgia birthplace of wine. That was fun. You know, bread and cheese, just phenomenal. Like, you know, I, I literally just watched myself gain weight over that month and a half. It was incredible. Um, sure, walking and listening to podcasts, I, I, I think, you know, incredibly powerful. But I, I think those spirals exist. You know, I, I think I had one, you know, really two and a half months at the start of this year in, in many, many ways. But it's, I think what the advantage that I've, and I don't, honestly, I don't know where it comes from. The advantage I have is the moment I see it, and sometimes it's slow for me to see. The moment I see that I'm spiraling or I'm not where I wanna be, it, it's like a light and day switch. It's not a, I've gotta spend six months in that place or I've gotta spend five years or 10 years. Like, you know, I, I've got people that, I, that I've that i grown up with that, you know, they're still talking about the crap that happened to them 17, you know, 
at 17. They're, they're still talking, you know, like 17 years ago. They're, they're still talking about things that were outside of their control or things that happened. And they've stayed in that state. They stayed in that space. I think for me, it's the fundamental hunger to grow, the fundamental hunger to take responsibility, even when I've been in those spirals, even when I've been in those negative places that have lasted months, you know, at times, and, and there's been those times in my life. It, it's just fundamentally getting to that point, like I say, catastrophic, you know, I, I think, and sometimes my personality will create, the, not even sometimes, every time my personality will create the chaos to make it catastrophic when I'm in a spiral so that I can get the change. Like I will purposefully create a mass amount of pain or chaos or conflict so that it's big enough leverage to blow something up so that then I'm like, I gotta go be something different. You know, I did that at the start of this year in, in some things, you know, I, I've done that. I remember when I moved from the UK to Australia, like, you know, relationship ended, like, and, and I caused chaos. Cause I was like, I need it to be that, you know, distractive, like distracted, disruptive, whatever. So that like I moved to the other side of the world. I just think, you know, whether it's, you know, even when I first moved to Tbilisi, like there was just this awareness that I, I came and I was walking and drinking all the wine and eating all the food. And then there was like, okay, I got to go do something. Well, I moved into this office, but that's probably actually still part of it. And then I created conflict with the landlord where we had to move out. We'd been in the office 21 days. We'd never signed a contract. We just got the keys. And then she came in, was like, sign the contract. And we had a massive round with four hours. We had to move this whole office. I say whole office, it was six people and six desks. We had to move this whole office into my apartment at the time. And it created this such a fight or flight moment of like, am I building a company or am I just like pretending to build a company? Because then I had all these staff and I didn't have an office and we had to go find a new office and I had all this furniture that subconsciously I think I was just doing to like keep ticking over. I'm still avoiding, I'll go shopping, I'll buy some desks, I'll hire some people, I'll interview some people. I, I think looking back now, and I've never really thought about it until right now, but I think creating conflict for me to create chaos is what leverages, and this isn't healthy. I don't think this is healthy in any way, by the way, but it, but I think it, it creates enough leverage for me to then go, okay, that's dead, go build this new. To be fair, I would say that's exactly the answer that I would expect from you. But I, I would say that's a very healthy mechanism. I'm not sure if that like forcing the downward spiral to go a lot faster is necessarily the best way for everyone. But what I always say is like wind in yep. the sails. And the reason I say wind in the sails is because then you'll hit the wall a lot faster and then you can either decide to go through it or move around it or change direction entirely. But if you slow down that trajectory, then it'll take years or decades. And, I, and I've seen this in many people where it takes a long time to decide you don't want that anymore. So then let me ask you, uh, kind of getting into these last couple questions here, is there anything in particular, like any message that you are just like on fire about right now, something that you want to leave everybody with, you know, I mean, this whole idea, right? Like we get hit by a bus or it's all fake and it's just a simulation, right? And it's nothing's really that important anyways. Like, is there a message or something that you'd like to leave everybody with or something that's on your mind that you're like, wow, I really wish people knew this other thing. Yeah, I think it's selfish actually, you know, cause when, when I always like when people ask that question, it's like, what did I wish I knew, you know, really, you know, like what do I wish that, you know, how do you go back 10 years and just whisper in my ear? But 
it, it really comes down to, and you touched on it there, and you know, the, the real story of you teaching me, you know, it could just be a computer simulation and this could all be made up, I think has led me to take massive risks. But I think even then, it's take risks sooner, take bigger risks, knowing that just really following on from that wind in the sails, like you're going to hit the wall and just hit the wall fast. You know, if your business is going to build and it's going to fail, fail it fast. You know, Reed Hoffman talks about that a lot. And I'm just, you know, it, that's probably my jam at the moment is anything you're going to do, like just figure out a way to accelerate it by either taking more risks or spending more time on it. Like for me, if I'm going to get fit, you know, I just want to spend as much time getting fit as I can because it's just easier than taking, you know, four years to get fit. You know, just change your diet, work out like crazy, sleep lots, drink lots of water. And it's actually pretty simple, you know, but just cut everything else out that was stopping you. But it's the same in business. I, I think the, the biggest thing that I, I wish I had done is even then taking big risks, but I wish I'd taken more risks. So I look back and the only things that I, I regret are I didn't take the bigger risks sooner. I didn't take you know, the bigger leaps, I didn't like everything I've sat on of like, ah, you know, that that uncertainty is what will kill you, you know, it will kill you in your health, it'll kill relationships, it will kill you in business, it'll kill you in your finances. But it's that uncertainty that I look back and I go, well, that's created some successes, because every time I have taken a risk, it's worked out even when it's worked out horribly bad in the moment, like even when it's been like, so painful, like I was telling Skip a story before, before we jumped on here, um, when we first launched the, the company that I run today, global e-commerce brand, we have a, a tech platform um, that all of our, our influencers use. And, you know, as I was saying to you, like, it's just so crazy. We, we were six weeks out from launching. We had announced that we're launching and we have thousands of people at this point who want to be on our platform. And we're at a point where we've spent probably six months at this point, maybe slightly less, getting the tech platform, the tech partner that we want. And they're gonna cost us an insane amount of money for a startup. Like it's an insane investment, but it's the best. I've spent months looking into it. I've been on loads of calls. I've kicked all the tires. I've talked to everybody. I know the platform inside and out. You know, I've read all the tech docs on it. And I, I say to my, my head of tech, who's 20 years old, um, and, and Bilal, like, it's just a super genius. But I said to him, I remember, and this, like, this situation I'm about to tell you made, you know, our dynamic and our friendship and our trust level. I just said to him, just go do some due diligence, see if there's another platform out there that could do this for us. So he goes back a day later, he comes back, he's like, I've got this platform. It's gonna cost us a 10th of this, of this other platform, maybe even like a 20th, like stupidly less. We're a startup, we're bootstrapped, like, you know, all my money's in, I'm funding, you know, this to everything that I've got, you know, me and my business partners, you know, like we're in, there's no like, you know, there's no outsiders, it's just us, this is our whole life. And so I'm like, you know, this is like, ding, 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 ding. I'm like, you know, Bilal, what do you think? He's like, well, yeah, I think they can do it. And I'm like, cool, you make the decision. 20 years old, I'm like, you make the decision. And, you know, he's the most loving guy in the world, and, but he's just nervous. Like, no, no shit, right, 20 years old. He's just like, you know, this is a big risk. This is like, you know, what are you making me decide? I was like, do you think they can do it? He's like, yeah, and I'm like, cool, so you make the decision. Now in my head, I'm like, I'm making the decision because I know what he's gonna do, you know? So I, I'm taking that responsibility. It's not on him, it's on me but I want to like help him go through that journey. And 
yeah, it was uh, it was cheap for a reason. Let's put it that way. We we launched, you know, the day that we launched, we went down for 36 hours. I, I was sleeping on an air mattress next to my desk, you know, for the first, you know, three months of that platform. Like, you know, it was absolutely insane. I didn't sleep. You know, I was in, you know, not a hospital, but I was in, you know, medical clinics getting checks for, you know, ECGs of like having heart palpitations, you know, having panic attacks because my body's just shutting down because I'm living off red wine and pizza and no sleep. And it comes back to that of just, you know, my my brain's a little bit wired to just, you know, take it, do the risk, find out what happens, you know, and Skip, I blame you because, you know, you once told me maybe this is a computer simulation and, you know, ones of it's all not real. And I think I just kind of live that now of just like ones of it's all not real. The only way you're going to find out whether something works or not is by doing it. So you might as well do it. You know, long story short, you know, we did a migration in 25 days. We moved thousands and thousands of people. We went back to the original platform. We figured out how to make it work. We didn't sleep for months. We talk about it still to this day because we figured some stuff out. You know, we figured so many lessons, painful lessons that sucked. You know, there's no part of me to look back on like, yay, I was a genius. It's like, no, Simon, you're an idiot. You know, like, what were you doing? It was crazy. It was insanity. But it's that ability to just look at something and go, well, okay, if we're going to make a decision, make the best decision you can in the moment, take the risk, take the, take the leap. If it goes horribly wrong, pivot, pivot quick. But knowing that you're just going to get the lesson because nothing's fatal. Like, and even if it's fatal, it's still not fatal, right? Nothing's fatal because you just keep pivoting, you just keep growing. But I still blame you for that one. I don't, but. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for that. So then let me ask you when people hear this and they want to learn more about you, about your company, they fall in love with you and they're like, I just need more yeah, Simon no. Mitchell in my life. Where can they go? Where can <laughs> the, they find literally you? literally makes me anxious straight away. I'm like, don't, don't, you know, don't. don't. But, um, yeah, no, Instagram is the best place uh, at the Simon Mitchell. Um, I'm partially on there. You know, stories is probably the, the best way to come hang out with me on there. Um, although I've committed to being a lot more present on social media now. So yeah, that's going to be kind of exciting. But yeah, Instagram is the best way to do that. Um, but yeah, be nice if you do. I love it. I can attest Simon's stories are great. I, I still watch Simon's stories. So they're awesome. And you'll get to see a lot of his health journey and stuff, which is really cool and fun for me to see. Cool, so it's been thank fun, you brother. so much for coming on the yeah. show. I'm excited. I think there's a lot of like punchiness in this. I, and, I'm excited uh, for, you know, the world yeah, to open great. up and we can, you know, spend four hours you know anyone watching you know if you've done this you know what i mean but you know yeah if you get the chance to you know go get some kind of vegan milk you know cappuccino and walk around a city doesn't matter the city actually you know we've done it in quite a few places but yeah i think that's one of the the happiest times of my life you know just wandering around a city talking to you about everything literally sparring with you you know not physically but mentally you know some of the the greatest conversations of my life and ideas have came from those moments so you know kudos to you man 